Let's spread a song so you can sing along with my special guest star two. You like to sing and dance, and this podcast by chance explores musicals for you. everyone welcome back to another episode of life's but a song a podcast that likes to live in the land of musicals i'm your host john and with me is my other go-to guest and my bestie Lori gismondi she's back with a vengeance oh and what a vengeance it is you picked this <laughs> Gave you a selection and you decided that this was it. Okay, this is one of the ones we're gonna do. I know, and I'm I'm regretting it. But like <laughs> so we we uh we're talking about the Swan Princess uh today, which came out in nineteen ninety-four. Mm-hmm. It's not a Disney movie it by is any not. means. No. But much like other non-Disney movies, it's made by Dis- former Disney folk. <laughs> the story is by Richard Rich and Brian Neeson. Screenplay by Brian Neeson. Music by, oh, fucking A, Lex de Azevedo? Azevedo? Why are you looking at me like I should know? This is your job. <laughs> Avada Kedavra? <laughs> <laughs> and lyrics by David Zippel. I hope that's his last name because my God, that's amazing. Um, and it's directed by Richard Rich. And according to IMDb, a power hungry sorcerer curses a princess to live as a swan by day in this tale of everlasting love. Sure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's not what happened, but okay. <laughs> So, right off the bat, it's Swan Lake, right? It is. And it it admits that that's what it is. It's based off of the story of Swan Lake. Yes. Um, Why do you think they they didn't use Tchaikovsky's music, though? I couldn't honestly tell you. I think there are definitely some themes of classical music throughout where there are certain things I hear and I think like, oh, okay, this is pulled from Baroque. This is pulled from, you know, like some Bach kind of thing. It could have been an issue of rights for all we know. I don't know when the music from Swan Lake specifically was released into the public domain. The ballet was composed in 1875 to 1876. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that was, I think it's still public domain though at that point. I'm shrugging. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, so they made a story out of it, and I'm pretty sure they made it a little more kid-friendly than what the original ballet is. Because I've read that there that the ballet has like f- numerous endings, <laughs> where Odette dies by either Rothbard's or the prince's hand, the Mm -hmm. latter being by accident. Yes. Rothbard dies and Odette dies and the prince is left alone. The prince dies. Like, basically, who dies is just... (laughs) And there is a a happily ever after version of it, so... There is. I mean, this movie, for those of you who don't know, it was released in theaters and it abysmally and in turn had a really great run as a direct-to-video franchise there are i believe at least six other movies in the swan lake world sorry swan princess so this is from what i've looked up this is the biggest animated box office failure because (laughs) makes me so sad well so 94 had a great live action movies but that was also when disney re-released the lion king yes yes i read about that so it had some competition and then it also had nine straight to video movies which Mm -hmm. one came out last year yep 
it's it's interesting if you look at the years they're like okay so swan princess came out in 94 the next one came out in 97 then the other one came out in 98 and then you jump to 2012 yeah and the style of animation also changed between 98 and 2012 as well really oh yes have you watched remember correctly it ends up being more cgi-esque later on whereas what we have in the 90s is clearly drawn more from is clearly drawn there it is (laughs) well it's interesting because brian neeson and richard nash worked on all of them Mm mm-hmm so they're trying to make up the lost money that they had on this one, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I wrote down a couple of questions that mm-hmm. while watching it, I'm hoping you can answer. Oh, geez. <laughs> okay. So I was just a little confused about the talking animals. I mean, I know from Dis- from like Disney... There are some rules where animals and humans can talk to each other. Animals can talk to animals and all that. But in this one, only Odette can talk to the animals, even in her human form. I don't understand. I, I didn't understand that. Really? Okay. Um, I, I just pull from the wild thornberries. Uh... Ah. Yes. And also, I think with Odette, we don't see her talking to animals until after she herself has a, has the spell or the curse placed upon her. She's not talking to animals in the first 15 minutes of the movie. Right. But it's not until she herself becomes spoiler, she turns into a swan and in the table. <laughs> It's important to mention and um after that that is when i believe she's able to speak to animals because she herself is an animal for half of every single day at least but also like only those three animals can talk apparently because like why didn't they try to talk to those crocodiles like I mean, maybe a gators are more primitive. You know, they're basically relics of the dinosaur. It's true. They are. And so so are chickens. Um, yes. But, oh, God, Lauren, I can't believe I picked this one. I did <laughs> not like it. I'm not well, you have you. to, I have to say personally, I really like the music myself. And I think when I was a child and I saw this movie for the first time, I grabbed onto that as a kid. I was like, ooh, these songs are pretty. And, you know, I also, you know, we didn't have a lot of Disney movies in my house growing up. We had like two or three staples. But outside of that, it was these alternative animated features from the late 80s, early 90s. Like, that's what my sister and I watched. Well, I mean, there were some funny moments in the songs. I will give you that. Mm-hmm. Like, practice, practice, practice. <laughs> I was laughing at parts because of that guy that was dressed as the bunny. Yeah, Like, that. that's when they... I, I feel like with this, they didn't lean into the weird enough. Yeah, I agree. It could have been stupider. Right? Because the... Um, <laughs> can't believe i'm saying that it's no but it's true because like practice 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 is when they toy with the the stupid if you will Mm -hmm. uh for lack of a better phrase um and then even a little in no more mr nice guy they kind of oh yeah tease you with that but everything else is just very serious it really is trying to convey a serious story you're right i i always just found it silly always i'm like there's talking animals if she stands on the lake at night she becomes a human but if she's not on the lake she's stuck as the swan for the night like it is kind of um what is the word i'm looking for a little contrived yeah (laughs) yeah i mean like you have you have a story about a woman turning into a swan Mm -hmm. how serious do you want to take this movie (laughs) yes yes uh, but it was interesting. Did you notice that the lyricist, David Zippel, was the singing voice for Jean-Bob? 
which is so interesting because I think John Cleese can sing. Yes. I'm pretty sure I've heard him sing. It's not like stupendous, but I mean, he can hold a tune. Sorry, John Cleese. I absolutely love you. Um, Hire me. Call me. Okay, bye. (laughs) Well, I mean, I I guess they wanted a certain, Oh, well, I, I think I read it that he was like, I don't know. There's, I've I've done so many animated movies at this point. I'm just like, was it David was a stand-in and then they were like, let's keep it. Or is that from a different movie? I'm not sure, but mm. let's go with it. Okay. <laughs> but then you have the composer singing for Rothbart. Yeah. I don't know if Jack Palance can sing. Mm. And I like Jack Palance has an incredible speaking voice. And it's true. Like you hear him and you do your, you shoot up. You're like, what the, what the heck's going on, man? Somebody's going to die, probably. Um, and, yeah. uh, but, but they did, I know they used uh, Michelle Nicastro's voice. And I know they, I mean, Ro- Howard McGillan, I mean. Wait, which one is Michelle Nicastro? The guy. Huh? Which one was Michelle Nicastro? He was Odette. No, they didn't. They didn't? Not for this one. For the sequels, they used her. Ah, well, there you go, guys. You learn something new every day. And you can look stupid at the same time doing it. <laughs> uh, Liz Calloway did Odette. They, Which makes sense. So ah. they feared, like like you said about John Cleese. Um, fuck, what was her name again? Who? I didn't write this down. Who huh? the the speaking voice for Odette? Michelle Nicastro. Michelle Nicastro obviously can sing, but I don't think that I think what I read was that the producers didn't think she could hit the notes or whatever, or like be able to portray it. So they wanted to get cast somebody else as a singing voice. Which okay, but then obviously. Last laughs on Michelle because she got to do it for the for the other nine movies. Yeah, she won. She won the breakup. I mean, it's not really winning a breakup, but yeah, <laughs> she won. She won the battle. She did. Good she for did. She really did. Um. Okay. King William. William dead. He died. Right. I'm fairly certain he's dead, or else there would be no reason for you know hit Rothbart trying to get Odette to marry him. In order to rule the kingdom. Um, but that said, that said, here's another stu- thing that doesn't really make any sense. If King William is dead and Odette is half swan, half person, who is running the kingdom when there's nobody there? Well, that was the is thing, too. Is there a too. queen? I don't know. That was the thing, too, that I wasn't 100% sure about. Because, like, <laughs> at, the be- at her birth, you have, like, this very Sleeping Beauty moment. Like, they stole a lot from Sleeping Beauty. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Which is also a ballet. So there you go. By Tchaikovsky? I don't remember if it's by Tchaikovsky or not. Keep talking. I'll look it up. I'm pretty sure it is. But anyway, um, so at the beginning, you have these two kingdoms coming together. And obviously, the king and the queen of each place um are like hey let's set up our kids to eventually get married and merge our kingdoms but they never really specify how far each kingdom is because you've got Odette and her father in one area and then Derek and his mother Derek Derek yes fucking a Derek Mm -hmm. (laughs) But like you have that whole entire this is my idea of them. <laughs> this isn't my idea of oh, fun. <sighs> and yes, it is in the ballet tangent, back to what I was saying earlier. The ballet, the music is by Tchaikovsky as well. Boom, baby. For Sleeping Beauty and for Swan Lake. I uh, paid attention to music history for two <laughs> whole minutes during my undergrad. <laughs> I actually worked on both shows and I'm like, I, I the only reason why I remember H. Tchaikovsky is because in both there's like that random section where in Sleeping Beauty it's the other fairy tale characters dancing. Yeah, so it's like the yeah, round robin of ballet. Essentially. And then it's and then in Swan Lake it's like 
all the swans are like all the baby swans are like let's Mm -hmm. let's dance we can dance if you want to (laughs) (laughs) okay i'm sorry we were saying what um we weren't sure about how far away the kingdoms were because Ah, well obviously they're close enough to travel by horse and buggy by carriage yes so that does indicate like it's got to be within a week of travel but they to don't. Horse. I don't know. They don't specify. They don't talk about Odette's mother or Derek's father. They're just not at all present. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe Odette's mother is alive and she's running the kingdom. It's a long shot. I don't know. No, since nobody really specifies, and I'm not sure. I want to watch all those sequels to find out. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I, I was gonna look them up, but I was so not into it after watching the movie i i it it legit took me like two and a half hours to watch this movie because i kept pausing and i was just like i can't (laughs) but um, i'm sorry (laughs) that's fine i'll torture you later oh wait i did torture you in my other podcast that's right so we're even (laughs) so that was the other thing too because i didn't know how long odette's been abducted for they don't mention that. It really doesn't feel like that long of a period of time that this movie really, like the, the chunk, the big chunk of this movie takes place to me. Right, because you know, you have the dad dying and Rothbart takes Odette away. Mm-hmm. And then in the next scene, he's laying out the rules of his curse, which confused the fuck out of me. <laughs> What? But, it's standard fairy tale stuff. What are you talking about? <laughs> but then you jump to Derek and his mom, and his mom is like, you need to get laid. I mean, married. I mean, laid. So they plan the ball, and I'm just like, I don't understand what time is. I mean, I, I never do, but like in this movie, what is time? Where are you? Yeah, I also found it interesting that they that uh queen uberta didn't really care that all of the like you know the, what happened to these people who they'd spent years trying to plan this elaborate like you have a kingdom and i have a kingdom our children should wed so our kingdoms can merge and all of a sudden it, you know the king is dead the princess has been abducted and nobody does anything and that's even- what i found really interesting and even when the hag dressed as um, like magic into looking like Odette, mm-hmm. which that's the difference between that's a big difference between the ballet and the the this movie. The ballet, it's Rothbart's daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, her name's not Ophelia, but that's what I want to say. It's something with an O. You're not wrong. Oh, uh, let's call her Ophelia. Uh, <laughs> I I can't be bothered to look it up. So, um, but in the mo- this movie, when the hag is Odette, the queen doesn't understand who she is. She's just like, yep. Who's, that? "Who's this? What's going on? What's this? What's this? It's magic everywhere." Not yeah, there's lots of holes that I think as adults you would catch if you cared enough, um, and as as kids you're just like, "Oh man." what oh crap oh no yeah so like the rules for for the curse it's that Mm -hmm. if she's in this specific lake at night when the moon's out she could turn into human she turns back into a swan no matter where the fuck she is once Mm -hmm. the daylight's out yes and then there's a secret rule about if he professes his love for somebody else, she dies. I didn't get that. That was never really said until... I think he just was given the option to kill her. I mean, when you have that level of power, and let's remember everybody, this is magic. None of this is real. But if you were to have that level of pretend magical power, it's sort of like you can do whatever you want. A sorcerer is a sorcerer. They're going to screw things. You know, They're going to mess around no matter what. Uh, so that all being said, <laughs> um, I think the other rule that is important to mess it, to mention, excuse me, is that, um, true love will break the spell. 
right. out either true love or Odette giving in and marrying Rothbart, he'll remove the spell from her. And Those by- are her ways out, which is why they spend all this time trying to find Derek and convince Derek that no, she is, you know, she's not she the great <laughs> animal. She is the thing you really want, the person you really are like searching for. God, this is just. I told you, it's convoluted. I loved every minute of it, especially John. <laughs> really ridiculous French accent. You know, I'm here for it. I mean, he did a f- better French accent than Ewan McGregor. I'll give him that. <laughs> did you know that John Cleese turned down the role of Zazu to do this film? Yes! Yeah. I mean, in fairness to him, John Bob is a larger role than Zazu. It's true, but he didn't get to sing. Yeah. That's okay. Maybe he was like, this is fine. This is fine. Everything's fine. Who knows? Um, did you also get tickled a little bit when they introduce Brunhilda as one of the princesses? Now, for those of you who don't know, Brunhilda, <laughs> Lauren is also nodding her head yes, because this is it. Yes, I, I made me very happy. <laughs> there we go. But for those of you who don't know, Brunhilda is from Wagner's opera, uh, The Ring Cycle. She's one of the Valkyrie mm-hmm. Um women and that's the joke that they kind of made because obviously she comes and she's wearing all this armor (laughs) it's so ridiculous like i didn't like this movie through and through but there were moments that i was happy that like (laughs) made me giggle and that was definitely one of them Mm -hmm, when she shows mm -hmm. up this robust woman and she's got a helmet on and everything and she opens it up i'm just like yes more of this. This is what I want. I didn't notice if the other princesses, though, were they like supposed to be other fairy tale characters or I don't operatic think characters? So. I, I personally, I did nothing like that struck me as that being the case. So no. <laughs> but then again, I could also be stupid. I recognize that because, like, they mentioned the ugly duckling in a song. In in, uh, in the first song, this is my idea. They mentioned mm-hmm. that they also obviously are referencing the Princess and the Frog with Jean Bob. Yes, Jean Bob, <laughs> a turtle Which, named Speed, all the good stuff. I was a little confused at the end where she kisses him, but then there's also a prince there dressed exactly like him. Is that the? That's what's happening. Okay, I thought it was a joke. Like he thinks that, you know, he sees the reflection of the Jean Bob, sees a reflection of random extra prince guy and thinks, ah, that's me. And then the, that's why he goes into the party, even though he's still very much um, in his original state. You would think he'd be able to be like, why am I still at everyone's ankles? Exactly. Why am I so tiny? <laughs> why why do I still get that far hop? into it, you know? <laughs> why do I still hippity hop like the rest of them? <laughs> I also read on IMDb, so take this with a grain of salt, that this apparently is the last animated movie to be created by hand-painted cells. So, like, everything... They did the 2D animation by computer, probably, for the last... The first two sequels. And then what you were saying, the recent ones turned to, like, frozen Moana look. Exactly, fully into computer land that's interesting and you haven't seen them or you no i have not and hulu multiple times over the last few days has been like hey you want to watch these sequels hey you want to do this and my answer is of course like i'm i'm good for now thanks hulu i don't i don't want to but like maybe one day but not right (laughs) not right this second hulu because like i said the songs are mostly really good i think the music is the high point in this particular movie well so looking up for this i i i I don't know if i've mentioned this before on previous Mm. episodes i like to create an outline for myself and for my guest um and i list the songs on there just so like we know what's going on and for this one it was really confusing because there wasn't a definitive list anywhere. 
And you know, well, I, 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 I'd be watching and I'm listening for them to sing the Enchanted Pal- Castle or whatever, and I was just like, this is not showing up. So I have one, two, three, four, five, six, six songs that with lyrics and all that, and then I just narrowed it down to like two instrumentals because the prologue was one that I knew and then Rothbard attacks King William is what it's called is obviously when Rothbard attacks King William mm-hmm. and kills him <laughs> but yeah for being an hour and a half hour and 20 minutes something like that it's there's not a lot of song not a lot of singing in it very surprised yes i'm nodding my head yes <laughs> lauren is in agreement with me <laughs> but the songs serve their purpose you know they're there they help forward the plot they help forward character development and for me personally i will take less songs if each of them has a specific point than extra music that is like superfluous mm. SAT word, guys. Just throwing it out there. Superfluous. <laughs> that makes sense. I mean, it, there was music was always present though throughout this whole thing. Because mm-hmm. I, I don't think there really was a quiet moment. Mm-mm. No, no, and I think that's also because it's based off of a ballet, and especially more classic ballets, there isn't a whole lot of time where there isn't any music. There's always, almost always music throughout the entirety of a ballet. So maybe, I, I, maybe I'm giving them too much credit. I don't really know, but I do feel, don't laugh. I'm being serious. I'm, <laughs> no, I'm, laughing. <laughs> I'm laughing because like you have, while doing this podcast, I find that a lot of movies that I don't know that my guests love since they were born obviously you have an emotional tie to it and I'm here to poo-poo it for you. That's okay. <laughs> Look, I recognize that it that it's not a stellar movie. I, I think, yes, there is partially nostalgia, but I can still sit and watch something and be like, well, that, that, that didn't age well. Oh, Princess is on Parade. That one wins for the one song that I was sat at. I was sitting in my room watching it going, oh, <gasps> Oh, oh Lord, that's how we pick our wives is, is we're gonna parade a bunch of women around and just pick yeah. the one that happens to suit the fancy of the moment. <sighs> and that is also like, I will say, that is why at the beginning of the movie, what starts this whole real problem, the, what creates the obstacle and is the catalyst is Odette saying, well, what else? Because the first thing yes. Prince Derek says is, "Oh, you're beautiful. You're everything. I, I, I will, I will marry you." And she's the one to put the brakes on the situation and say, "Okay, I am beautiful, but what else?" And he comes up with, "Let's say it together: nah. one, two, three. Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> yeah, they. So if it's possible, Odette's the most kind of forward-thinking person in either of these kingdoms. Yeah, I really, that I really appreciated. Because, like, mm. you, in other fairy tale movies, uh, cough, Disney, cough, cough. Um, <laughs> the princess is usually the damsel in distress. Well, sorry. In the classic Disney movies, the princess We're talking is the, the ones that were made before 1980, kids, just so you can keep Yeah, up. yeah, yeah. Before, before The Little Mermaid, basically. The princesses were always damsels in distresses. They never really did much, mm-hmm. to be fair. And yeah. it's unfortunate to say that. But then once The Little Mermaid hit in 1989, which I did a full episode on it. Uh, of course uh, did. <laughs> that's when they flipped the script on how to treat their princesses. Well, how to treat really female characters in general, you know? That's true. Um, You know, I could say that, you know, in the more recent years, a lot of these characters are being written in the way I think 
more women see themselves to begin with, which is, you know, you take on life for yourself. And you know right. what it is, it's, there's a line from Aida, the musical, which is if you don't like your fate, you change it. And that's what we're starting to see is you're starting to see people looking around going, well, wait, I don't want this. And I don't have to take this. So bye-bye. And then they, then we have a story. Right. Cause like um, now it's every time they have to figure out, well, no, that's not what, that's not where I want to go. <laughs> uh, in, in the more recent years though, you get Merida from Brave who. Oh, I love Brave. Okay. There is a contest for her, for like that her parents throw to, for her to find a man. And she's like, I don't want one. And she goes on a quest without any man. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. then, then you have Frozen where it's about sisterly love and all that. So it's very interesting. The stories that they're now telling in this newer renaissance age of Disney. Yeah. And I do credit movies like The Swan Princess with some of this. With like to start opening the idea of storytelling in this particular way, even if it's imperfect and it does terribly at the box office, which guys, I think they spent $21 million on this movie and made back just under 10 million. That's how, that's how much of a pitfall they were having to deal with and cope with after it released in theaters. And probably the reason they're like, no, we're just going to go directly to video to save on some monies. Well, so director Richard Rich, which, by the way, I laugh at every time I read it. Oh, yeah, because you're thinking of Richie Rich. Yep. Um, He actually pitched this idea to Disney when he was there. And he worked on, like, The Rescuers, I believe. I love The Rescuers. And I think he was going to to direct Oliver and Company, but Mm. they fired him before he could do that. So then he created this he yeah. he went on to do this but he, yeah so he was ready to be like hey disney with the success of your mermaid movie let's now yeah, do this yeah we had a successful mermaid we had a successful um what a stockholm syndrome movie and beauty and the beast you know yeah <laughs> but like point- Belle was a little old of the old-fashioned princess. That's why why I'm like, it's Stockholm Syndrome. She is independent, but she also suffers from Stockholm Syndrome. She's a nice, she's a nice um, (laughs) (laughs) in-between. Well, and even... I'm so sorry to Alan Menken and Howard Ashman. Sorry about that, you guys. (laughs) But we're we're being critical, darling. (laughs) The library is now open. (laughs) <laughs> i don't know which library we're at i guess i'm stuck here now though <laughs> but um sorry we should talk about swan princess <laughs> oh yeah let's talk more about this i guess uh, <laughs> do you have anything you want to talk about i appreciate the use of howard mcgillen i think that he is an incredible talent and i'm mad that not more people have gotten to hear him, uh, he is the longest running uh, Phantom from Phantom of the Opera, I think ever. I'd have to double check, but I'm pretty sure that that is still, that's still true, even though Phantom has been on Broadway and the West End since the mid eighties. And I also, yeah, that song for longer than forever, structurally, pretty simple pretty straightforward but it's like as a duet even hearing it now my heart gets a little like i get a little warm my cold jaded heart is like oh, oh. and again it's the, the counterpoint of the heart of their two um vocal lines there's nothing about any of it that's complicated and i think that's why for kids it's easy to latch on to there's a melody, there's, there's a pretty harmony, they cross over, they're in love, it's great. And, you know, I think there's a lot to be said about that song in particular. I know it was up for best original song um, at either the Oscars or the Emmys, I forget which. Let me double check real quick for you. <laughs> it's okay. Guys, we're going to do a little light research on the fly over here. Hold, please. Vamp for me, Lauren. Vamp some more. Okay. Wait, I wait, also, wait, wait, wait. like I had said earlier... I can elaborate more 
on um, this is my idea is like classical music 101 where you have one line going I mean you could hear like harpsichords and strings just going wild which I feel like they pulled from the ballet personally I would have to stare at the score for the actual ballet and really in order to find out are we going to it was nominated for a golden globe Ah. And I would like to rescind something I mentioned earlier. Oh, let's I'm redact. Actually, let's redact. What are we, now what that are I'm redacting? actually looking up, Michelle Nicastro was only in, only voiced two of the sequels. Ah, so the, the original three. The original three. She was in the original trilogy because, unfortunately, she passed away in 2010. So, well, Michelle, we're really sorry. Um, I'm, I'm happy. You I know you can't hear this, but uh-oh. Michelle's family, if you're around, but because mm-hmm. they did uh, the Swan Princess, uh, the mystery of the enchanted treasure, which was the third one. Yes. Yeah, and that one was in '98, and then they took, oh, like. 14 years off <laughs> to then do the Swan Princess Christmas. Mm. That was like a new one. So mm-hmm. it's very interesting. And Howard McGillen as well only did the first one and that's it. He only did the first one. Now that I'm looking it up. There was a sing-along movie mm-hmm. that, they, that came out in 98, but yeah. I, I think in fairness, though, timeline-wise, 1994, I would also want to find out when he started as Phantom. Right. Well, I mean, he also, had, you know. he also had time in, 90, in 99 to be a voice in the South Park movie, so... Yes! <laughs> Another one of my favorite movie musicals. <laughs> Howard McGillan. Well, there you all go. You just got a little bit of a history lesson in like what happens and like, especially in something like this where the project is, it's a long period of time. We're talking about 1994 to what, 2019 is the last one that was released. Is that right? 2020. 2020. Okay. So we're looking at almost what, almost 30 years of time too. So five almost. almost Yeah. 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 1994. This is 2020. Yeah. It's more than it's 26 years. Yeah, and and Howard <laughs> McGillen was on Fandom from 1999 to 2009. So So there you go everybody. <laughs> in that chunk of time that they did not do a Swan Princess movie, Howard McGillen was like, "Bye guys, I'm going to Broadway." And well, I mean, he was on Broadway first. That makes sense uh to go back. And why I'm not? Going... Especially with a deal like that where you're like, "Cool, I'm going to be working and I'm not going to have to worry about it." I'm here for it. I think I I might have seen him. No, I didn't. I did not see him. No. Probably. No, I didn't. I saw Hugh Panero and I saw John Cudia as Phantom. So there, damn it, I missed out. <laughs> oh, I'm seeing a trailer for one of the later movies and the animation of it is not good. <laughs> oh, no. Well, it's one you of know, the- it's one of those computer animated ones. And I'm just like, oh, no. See, and I love the hand-drawn stuff, personally. I, I, I come from that world, so I love it dearly, even though I love my Pixar-ness and DreamWorks there stuff. Was, there was something about this one, though, mm-hmm. that was a little off-putting. And <laughs> I don't know what it is. I think it was the lack of shadows, See, I was going to say it wasn't, to- I, didn't, I didn't think it was vibrant enough, especially when you compare it to like contemporaries of like Thumbelina and a little bit later Anastasia. I don't feel like the color saturation is strong enough. It yeah. looks a little mushy. Yeah, I don't know what, it- there was something that I was just like not grasping onto besides the story itself. I was about to say, <laughs> let's be honest, shall we? Let- let's be real here. She didn't like it. Um, is there anything else, though? Obviously, we've run the gamut on this one. Is there anything else you want to talk about before we get into Sharp and Flat? Do I think I... so. I think everything else will come out in this back uh, section of this episode. Okay. <laughs> you ready? You ready for it? 
Let's I'm ready. Let's do sharp and flat. Sharp. Flat. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody pick a note. Ah. Uh. <laughs> oh, my brain just stopped for a second. In this section. <laughs> I'm here. I'm fine. It's great. Whew. Okay. In this section, we obviously are going to highlight more moments. But if we liked it, it's sharp. And if we didn't like it, it's flat. Um, Lauren, why don't you go first with your sharps? Okay. I really like the music. I don't care what anybody says. I could listen. I would consider having for longer than forever be the song that I do my first dance for at my wedding. So there's that for me. I know. Very. Molto interessante. That was Italian for you out there. Um, I would also don't laugh at me. Just that you're John Italian-ness. is scoffing at me, everybody. <laughs> Just that you're Italianness. My Italianness. Okay. So I I would also say I appreciate an underdog, uh, an underdog way of doing of you know because this was as we had said I I didn't know it was a, a rejected Disney story. It almost makes me kind of like it more because they sort of went out and said, well, you know what? If you're not going to help us, we're going to find another way. And that I appreciate that kind of resilience and realizing that you've made, I also appreciate um, really like it was not an initial success, but they found a way to make it successful. I, that sort of ingenuity and being able to recognize your flaws and the faults that are made along the way, I think is really important to the creative process as John's like, his head's like in his hands. Well, uh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think. Would you say that this has a cult following? Ish. No, I do know that it has that little kids really like it, and I say that as somebody who's taking care of a lot of kids. I know Lauren that you uh, babysit a lot and things like that. Once upon a time, yeah. Did you introduce a lot of kids to this movie, or did they already know? Yes. Yes, yes, I did. God help them all. I did. <laughs> and they loved it or they were just You know, it's interesting because with this older style of animation, you have to bear in mind I was showing, you know, if I was going to show it to them, it would have been between the years of 2012 to like 2016. Those are the years I was primarily babysitting here in New York. And I think some of them really liked it and others of them were turned off by the lack of um, animation that they are mostly used to, That's frankly. Right. I mean, I will come out and fully say I am not the target audience for this. I, no, I, you're really not. I'm sorry. I am well aware of that. <laughs> and like I said earlier too, I don't have the nostalgic feelings behind it. I know. So obviously it has to work harder on for me to like it than for a child to like it. Do you have younger cousins? I forget. Well, yes. But that said, I'm 31. So my youngest cousin now is 16. I believe. Yeah. And you never babysitted. No, they lived in Maine. So no. Okay. I was going to be like, did you introduce it to them? Do they like it now? Are they obsessed with it? <laughs> I don't, I, I cannot answer that question because I don't know. How did we get on this tangent? Let's get, let's get out I of don't it. know. I really like how Odette goes on and she takes control of her situation. She rallies her group of, you know, um, animal buddies there and says, okay, I need to find, I, I don't know where I am, but I know if I can get a map. I can figure it out. And so she's the one who kind of is the driver in those situations where, you know, it's like, well, if it's not immediately available to me, how can I get it? And then actually goes and does the things, goes to find her prince, goes, you know, goes and, you know, explains the whole situation, helps, you know, to fight off her keeper. It, I, I like that she knows enough to go after what it is that she wants and needs. I think I wrote down the same thing for my mm. one of my sharps. 
Yeah. I, I've worded it though saying the anti-Disney sentiments. <laughs> it kind of is, which goes along with what we were saying earlier. So yeah, that makes sense. I wrote that down right when she was like, and what I, I, I'm beautiful. Okay, what else do you like about me? Or whatever, whatever the word, the dialogue was. Yes. Because like that, that is never said in a Disney. Well, maybe in the recent years, but in at this time period, that was never said in a Disney. Yes. Movie. Yes. So um, and, and to know, and it's what makes that even more poignant is that these are two people who have known each other almost th- their entire lives, which makes right. it hurt that much more. Is like really that's all after you know knowing each other since birth. What the heck? You want to talk about Stockholm syndrome though? <laughs> they hated each other at first. Oh yeah, that's that sometimes happens. <laughs> uh, that does. That does, Lauren. Your, your what checks... are your sharps, John? Your sharps. Um, so I have that. Yeah. I actually really did like the like what was happening during practice, practice, practice. <laughs> the musicians. The musicians being used as animals. I'm and... not a musician. I'm not an animal. You could have fooled me. <laughs> and it was very, uh, it was very interesting. And <laughs> and I also really liked Speedy the turtle. Tortoise. Speed. My friends call me Speed. Yes. <laughs> I love. I uh, who voiced him? Hold on. We're gonna look it up. We're doing that a lot. This. That's all right. Stephen Wright voiced mm-hmm. him. I don't know him, but he's done a bunch of things. Yeah. Yeah, I the Eeyore-esque feel is really I appreciate it. Especially in paired up with John Cleese. Yeah, because he is this he's the straight man of the two, which is great. It's necessary. But I in love that the, grouping. I love the dry humor from him. <laughs> um, especially when he made a pun and I was just like, yes. I loved that when he wasn't talking he was the one that actually saved the day when it was supposed to be jean bob's part in the plans and speedy shows up he's like i got this don't worry dude do you have any other sharps or do you want to do over to oh flats? no that covers it all for me okay let's talk about flats now i have specific ones that i didn't write down just the entire movie so well, <laughs> well, why don't you go first, John? I think you have far more grievances than I. Okay, so again, I talked about this earlier. The animation, I didn't... There was something off about it, and we talked about it. I think like it was... I think you're right with the colors. But I also think that it felt too flat. Too 2D, if that makes any sense. They didn't try to like shadow under the chin on the neck for them or even like, you know, show a shadow about at the ear or something. It, was, it just seemed very f- flat for me. I didn't like King William's misogyny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so he is Odette's father and... Um, and in the same vein, I didn't really like the queen either because she was, what's her name? Uberta. Queen Uberta. Cause I mean, she's only concerned about marriage and it's like, I, I get it at the time in the time period that they're trying to emulate, which is fairy tale time. Um, <laughs> marriage was a big deal cause that meant more land and for this one, it was like a contract more so than love, but I, they were they were two extremists for me. And then I also didn't like Bromley, to be totally fair, totally honest. The Derek's <laughs> like friend, quote unquote. <laughs> yes, his sidekicks are not as good as Odette's. That's for sure. That is. True. I mean, I did like the callback that they did at the end with the arrow trick, where I was like, "Ooh, that's cool that they called it back." Mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't expect it to become to come back. To, if I'm being totally fair, but the Bromley was just also a little off for me, <laughs> and I didn't like. Uh, yeah, it. a little uh, shallow. I agree. Yeah, I kind of wish though that 
he got paired up with that he got paired up with some random per- woman or something later in the mm-hmm. film because like you have the chain at the end you have the chamberlain and the hag who worked with uh rothbart mm-hmm. kind of pair off so i'm just like give as much as i didn't like him just give him somebody give him give Bromley somebody <clears throat> all right i i dig- I, I got them off my chest. What are your flats? That's it? I was expecting this to go on for another 10 minutes. Oh, damn. I, I could go on if you want me to, but those <laughs> are the ones that I really wanted to highlight. Of course. Because, uh, I mean, there were some things that I let slide in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like the... Con- uh, like the confusion, because, I mean, I agree with you, it's magic, so whatever. Well... <laughs> rules are whatever they want them to be it's true um it could be anything you want it to be oh goodness okay well the i will say though the missed opportunity that they had was when odette was fading not or mm-hmm. dying or whatever uh they should have thrown in that the the ending of swan lake with the music like that see well that's what makes it interesting because i feel like that moment is so tender that to have that much sound behind it maybe would take away i don't know i honestly don't know now that i have to think about that for a bit i also as far as things that i'm like about uh, let's is definitely the treatment of the other female characters in this movie is not the good so the queen and the hag the queen the hag uh, and the course princesses on oh yeah parade parade. (laughs) all of that didn't need to be a thing (laughs) if i'm really being honest Again, I guess I just have problems with misogyny in general. I mean, or sexism does. that is specifically targeting women. God, I hope everyone else does too. Right, well, <laughs> hey, it's 2021. I, anything is possible. So I will only speak for myself and not anybody else. I would definitely say that, that the, the treatment of them is shallow and porous and you could have there were opportunities there i don't even think really the hag speaks as nope. herself i think uh, she more or less makes noises she had like two words that she said and i don't remember what it was and there we have it <laughs> i think it was when she transformed from odette to herself she yeah which said, i think like, she just laughed you or something yeah. it wasn't again not not terribly deep and i obviously i understand not wanting to take away from the characters that are integral to the story but at the same time you know it's give give a lady a a line Mm -hmm. (laughs) give a lady a line come on yeah come on now come on come um i also would say i agree with you that bromley is disposable a little bit he doesn't have to be there but he is there and we're kind of stuck with him (laughs) which is maybe how the prince feels i don't really know (laughs) in which case maybe it worked so i don't really have as many grievances other than the ones i've listed um if this was a stage version not the ballet if this movie was turned into a musical who would you want to play oh john bob Hands down. I want to be John Bob. <laughs> what well, answer oh were God. you expecting? No, wait, here's the real question, John. What answer were you expecting me to say? You know, I don't know. I honestly <laughs> don't know. Either John, well, I didn't think John Bob. My brain went to the musician that was dressed as the rabbit. Yeah, I know. Also you a would, good choice. <laughs> I know you would play the shit out of that one role. And then go go back to my equity cot and take a nap. <laughs> yes. Yes, you would. Um, <laughs> are there any songs that you would like to add to your life's playlist? I mean, I stand by for longer than forever. That's the one. Okay. So 
I take this section very serious. <laughs> I'm sure you do. I say this on a few episodes and I'm going to say it again. I like to think of this question, like answering this question to be, if I'm out and about, what song do I want to listen to? Obviously there's no visual aspect to it because some, some songs that are in uh, the shows, the movies that I've seen are very visual based, not right. necessarily music based. So I didn't pick any for this one because it felt like a lot of them were very visual based. All of them were visual based. As much as I did like the, the practice, 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 the jokes were very visual and like the song itself is fine (laughs) but like i appreciated the visuals yeah the gags the gags no more mr nice guy was meh (laughs) i really wanted him to commit to like the draggery of it yes because that's what i really feel like rothbart is i mean rothbart i do feel like could be a non-binary character and then that song could really have something more some more substance to it other than "Ah, i'm the villain it's like not only am i the villain but now let's look at my look at all these other things that this character can be all right so you're playing jean bob right in this production i am who are you playing john come on it's part of the fun uh i really haven't thought you know what i'll be speedy because we work well together (laughs) um but who would you want to play rothbart then with all this that you're talking about Ooh, it's a dream right it's it's uh obviously like, we're, we're 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 fantasizing about it <laughs> that's what, okay it's a fantasy cast yeah oh man i think i i, I think i want to make rothbard a woman okay because i had a thought okay so who are you thinking then i'm thinking go with me on this because mm-hmm. obviously we're fantasizing so we may as well add some time traveling while we're at it right sure i'm thinking Bette Midler around the Hocus Pocus time. You know, it's funny you say that because I was going to say Jinx Monsoon. <laughs> right? Yeah. Because <laughs> I have, uh, I, for whatever reason, I had, a, I had, I put a spell on you in my head. And now you're mad! Exactly. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. She would sing the shit out of it. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like Sharon Renee Scott, we may have some fun with it too. Oh yeah, that'd be fun. Um, if we wanted to do a male or male presenting person, I don't know. I don't know who would have. Oh, I know. Who would you pick? Wayne Brady. Yes, <laughs> he would have so much. Andrew Rannells. Ooh, would also be a lot of fun. He will camp the shit out of it, and it'll be great. <laughs> yeah, fuck. Uh, let's not cast the the, the leads because no one. They're easy. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's very you had true. A, you had to think about Rothbard. Uh Lauren, we've come to the actually the end of the episode. Oh wow! I we know did we did it. Is there anything you want to plug or promote? If you're really curious about me, you can find me on the Instagram at L-A-G-I-Z-Z underscore Sangs. It's Lodges Sangs. And I'm pretty sure my TikTok is also Lodges Sangs. So either of those, you can, I have the TikTok. Oh boy. I'm so sorry. I I do. I do. Yes. Do you do the dance crisis and everything? No, 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 no. Nothing like that. (laughs) But I have one. So if you want to find me, either of those sources will serve you well. Um, And if you want to get in touch with me and tell me how awful I am about not liking this movie, (laughs) you can reach out by emailing the podcast, uh, buttasongpod at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at buttasongpod. And you can tell me your thoughts and feelings about everything. And you know what? It's episode 59. I'm surprised I haven't asked this before. I'm going to I'm gonna do a call to action Ooh. on this episode. <laughs> oh, my. Yes. Um, 
what mu- what musical stage show has hasn't been turned into a movie that you want to be turned into one? Oh. Do you have one in mind, Lauren? I have a few. Well, you know what? It's a good thing I'm sitting where I'm sitting right now because right in front of me is my Broadway musical history subway map. <laughs> so hold on, hold on. I'll, you, I'm going to stare at this for a moment because um, the real thing is I think some of my favorites already are um, movies or were movies first even for that matter. Right. Um, like, uh, But I'm talking about the musical version. So now you can like Mean Girls, for example, mm-hmm. obviously that was a movie turned into a musical. Right, right, right. I see what you're saying. I would definitely say Sunday in the Park with George. Ooh. You know what? I'm going to stay with Sondheim and say Company. Ah. Yeah, I think that, you know, Sondheim already has several musicals that have been movies. So those are the two personally i mean definitely sunday i think sunday even though act two is a little special is still basically a masterpiece personally i'm also i'm looking at the rest of the board i'm like what else i think rags would make a brilliant movie i don't think it did as well as a stage show but i think as a movie it would do very well so right in maybe i'll share them with lauren maybe not i don't know we'll figure it out and if you want to be part of next episode's conversation, we're going to be talking about Thumbelina. But until next time, Lauren, let's fly off in the sunset like the like the pelican did or whatever that bird was. It was a swan. puffin! The puffin did with the swans. Because, <laughs> you know, puffins and swans are, live in the same temperate zones. <laughs> Obviously. Bye, right. everybody! Bye! <laughs> Special thanks to Justin Johnson for creating the podcast's artwork and to Nick Bombasino for composing the theme song and the jingles in this podcast. And thank you to CastBox for hosting this podcast. Bye again, everyone, and have a musical day.